0: Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive.
1: All right. Good morning and welcome back to the Money Advantage Podcast. I'm Rachel Marshall, and this is Bruce Weiner. We are your hosts, with the show. And today we're having a very interesting conversation that's kind of a extra, if you will, because of the time of just massive uncertainty that we have in our world today. And specifically related to the coronavirus and all of the scare that's happening with that, the health crisis, the financial crisis that's happening as a result of that. And really, we just want to be able to talk with you about how to survive and thrive during times of massive uncertainty. So today as we talk, we're going to be giving you a simple five-point action plan that you can use to make sure that you throw on a life preserver in your health and more specifically in your wealth. Now we certainly are not health experts here. We are not going to tell you exactly what's going to happen with the coronavirus specifically, but what we are here to do is Help you really be able to have the right mindset and the right bearings to be able to thrive during uncertainty. So, Bruce, good morning.
2: Good morning, Rachel.
1: Now, Bruce, so, you need to explain where you are because you have a new background. You have a fire, there's a pool next to you as well.
3: Where are you right now? Yes,
2: well, I'm, um, I'm out in Arizona where one of my um, rental properties are, and my wife and I just purchased another home in the community. So I'm there trying to take care of that, Um, but also um, um, our home isn't ready to move into, so I'm at one of my friend's homes who's actually right down the street, so he allows me to use his place, and uh, it's this virtual world, and that's one of the things I think we're going to talk about today is how to move your business more virtually. I know we are doing that, not only the money advantage, we do that almost exclusively, Uh, Virtually, and then um, uh, our parent company, for me anyway, the E Three Consultants Group, we do a lot of our meetings. um, More and more of our meetings now virtually, and we're trying to encourage more and more people to do it. This is this is going to be. I don't want to oversimplify today, because I think when we oversimplify, or when people take it as an oversimplification, what happens is it it gets lost in the background of all this noise. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean I don't I don't even read all the coronavirus emails that I'm getting from all the different vendors and partners oh, sure. and, and stuff uh, because it just seems like everybody is responding um more from a legal perspective mm-hmm. than from their heart and I hope what we're trying to do today is is really talk to people from our heart and and saying you know we're trying to do this today to help people Yes Um, because people are on both ends of the spectrum. I think I'm, I, I tend to be on one end of the spectrum where, um, I'm not all that worried about the situation and maybe that's not even the best way of saying it, uh, because worry is, um, people can say, well, then you're, you're just too aloof about it and you don't care about people on the other end of the spectrum. But there's people losing their minds, like the world is ending.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, on the other end of the spectrum, yeah. and I respect their 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 freedom to feel like that. But I'm trying to get them not to feel like that because I don't think it does any good.
1: Bruce, I think you couldn't have said that any better. And I think there is definitely, uh, first of all, I mean, we just have to be uh, maybe state the obvious: we are in a time of major uncertainty in our country. I mean, I've never heard of businesses closing, governors of states. I mean, Virginia is one of them that limited um, banning getting together in groups of more than 10 people. My school district is closed indefinitely. Um, I mean, just very uncertain times. I mean, it's just something that we've, it's unprecedented that we're going into something that we're seeing just so much ramification. But at the same time, there's really those kind of two extremes. There's the, hey, life is just going to continue on. Let's just live as normal and and not pay this any mind. It's overhyped. It's maybe um, maybe just people are overreacting. And then there's the other side that is absolutely in full on hunker down panic mode. And just in transparency, I think when I first heard about it, I was like, oh, hey, you know, yeah, it's bad, but it's it's relegated to some place across the globe that's not impacting me. And then as it came closer and closer, and as we started seeing things shut down, we over the weekend thought that the executive order for the state of Virginia public schools applied only to public schools. So my daughter in a private school, we thought, hey, she's still going to keep going to school. And then we found out Sunday night that no, that was in fact closing her school for two weeks as well. And I think just over the weekend, looking at the whole thing, I had a lot of anxiety as just the unknown Wanting to make sure, is my family safe and protected? Am I making sure I'm not contributing to the spread of this? And then what is going to happen in our world as a whole? And I think I was thinking more of the health side of things. And then we're watching, you know, stocks come down and the, the indexes just really going haywire right now. And you're looking at all of that and saying, oh my goodness, this is a big deal. And for me, I had to say, how do I deal with this in a healthy way? And it wasn't, for me, it wasn't ignoring. It wasn't being able just to push it out of my mind and say, hey, I'm just going to ignore this. I'm just going to live my life as usual. For me, I really had to start asking the question, okay, what am I going to do? What will I do to stay healthy? What will I do if we get sick? What am I going to do to think correctly? How am I going to live my life to be the most helpful and abundant minded and really be able to be the greatest contributor to others during this time. And so that for me just led me to research and talk to Lucas about it and, and talk with other people and really come from a place. I I hope we're coming from a place today of being respectful to people all across every way of responding to this because there's no one right way. And fear is a natural human instinct when things are shaken beneath us. And so I hope that we're coming from that place of respect, but then also just really being able to give you a sense of grounding and certainty and confidence to be able to navigate this from the right perspective. And I think the number one most important starting point, and this is something that I had mentioned yesterday when I announced that we were going to be going live about this topic. I said, we're going to really help you discover the real reason that confidence is failing. And I think this is the thing that is probably the absolute most important piece of the whole picture is that we need to as humans as people be able to really have a sense of abundance and and confidence that comes from inside of us when everything outside of us everything external is shaking and going every direction we need to be able to have a confidence and a hope that is deep and that's grounded inside of us and really that comes down to having an abundance mindset and Then the question is, how do you have an abundance mindset when you're in a position of uncertainty? And I think that really comes down to understanding that principles that govern your life govern you when you're in a time of crisis and when you're in a time of prosperity. I mean, economic prosperity is amazing. Having your health is amazing. But those things are not the things that really are an abundant life. The abundant life starts from your mindset. It starts from having gratitude for the simplest little things. It starts from having a choice in how you're going to respond and recognizing that you have that power to choose how you're going to respond. And I think that's the number one most powerful thing that nobody can ever take away from us. I mean, if you read um, Victor Frankel, what's that book? Man's Search for Meaning, I think.
2: Yes, I believe that is.
1: I think that's the name of the book. I'll have to um, restate if I'm saying it wrong. But he said he weathered the concentration camps. I mean, that was a horrific, challenging, terrible time. But the main takeaway from that book was you have a choice on what you're going to think about. You have a choice. Nobody can take away your personal ability to respond in a healthy way. And so we know that it's possible as humans to be able to adapt and change. And that's something else that we're going to be talking about today. But I think it really, really comes down to your mindset first.
2: Yeah, I I wrote a, a lot of things down here this morning that I wanted to talk about as I was researching and trying to make sure that uh, in, a, in a time of <clears throat> turmoil, I got to thinking, what, do you, what should I do? Well, the first thing I did, I did was I, I turned to my mentors.
3: Mm, that's good.
2: And I thought, what are they saying? Because we, we all need coaches. We yes. all need people to, to help us through things. I've made this comment on, on the podcast before. I try to tell as many people as possible. Teamwork is the most important thing whether you're trying to run your family, whether you're trying to run a business, whether you're trying to run an or, any other kind of organization, uh, organization. Because I always tell people that uh, teamwork is the most important thing because if, um, if it wasn't, then solitary confinement would not be a punishment. That's, that's a, a thing <laughs> yeah. I've thought about that this all the time. So, so I turned to uh, Dr. Robert Murphy, who is an economist. That is a, he's a friend of mine, and uh, he's actually testified in front of Congress. He's very well respected. A lot of people don't know him because he's, a, he's an Austrian economist. Instead of what we are going through right now, it would be a Keynesian economist, uh, where um, the government just believes it's okay to inject money that we don't have into the system. Um, and, and Dr. Murphy... Said on his recent podcast, as as he's doing, like we're trying to do right now, that um, you know the the world has always reorganized mm-hmm. from the very beginning. Whenever something gets out of whack, one way, and this is what the and this is what the Austrians believe in the boom and bust cycle. So, um, whenever there is a boom, then there's going to be a bust, and then it will reorganize. And hopefully you will learn from it. Uh, Mark Twain said that history doesn't repeat itself. Um, and, that, and a lot of people are surprised at that because they th- because you hear that all the time. Well, history just repeats itself. Well, history doesn't repeat itself exactly what Mark Twain sa- said, but it does rhyme. In other words. <laughs> it sounds good. Yeah, it sounds like and it, they're very close oh. to repeating themselves, but they don't exactly repeat themselves. But then you reorganize. And if you and if you understand that, there's going to be some turmoil going on, but we've gotten to this place of of wealth in our not only in our nation, but in all the nations in the world. We are at, we're at a place right now where there's less poverty in the world uh, than there has been in any part of history. And it yes, we might have to dip down a little bit, but we'll reorganize and keep moving forward. And you know, I while I was doing this research. And once again, I don't, my, my whole theme today is not to oversimplify, mm. but also not to, not to talk, um, in things that I don't know about or yeah. how we're going to go forward. But, you know, we, we had things like the Black Death. Uh, we had World War one, of course. We had, um, leprosy outbreaks, Ebola, uh, recently Ebola outbreaks, slavery. We had the potato famine. We had, um, cholera epidemics. You know, we've had, uh, mm-hmm. all kinds of civil wars across all kinds of nations. And we've, we've reorganized during this process. And this is a very similar process. It just happens to be more that's related to um, nature. Um, and many of our listeners know I was a biologist and I taught um, ecology. And the boom and bust cycle is very much like um, a theory, not a theory, well yeah, a theory in ecology that's, that's called the climax community. In other words, how mu- how many people can be in a certain place, and the world uh, ecology actually regulates that population by either forcing them to move to other places. Which does that sound familiar right now when we're doing social distancing,
3: mm-hmm.
2: or unfortunately, if you don't respond to that, um, if there's too many coyotes in a uh, in an area, actually going after those resources then they, act, they actually will be killed off.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and so in or, but it, but what happens is before a lot of them, the stresses that happens in that situation, they actually move to different areas. Well, that's what we're trying to do right now. We're trying to do social distancing so that a lot of people don't die off, just like coyotes. And I'm, I'm oversimplifying that, and mm-hmm. I said I didn't want to do that. But in ecology... Um, certain coyotes in an area will leave that area instead of putting pressure, um, social pressure on themselves or pressure as far as the food supply on themselves.
3: Mm
1: -hmm. So
2: so this is what we're doing. We're doing social distancing to to take the pressure off of the spread of the disease right now.
1: Right, and to flatten the curve. And I'm sure you've seen those statistics as well. and, And to slow the spread, which then would not overwhelm the medical system as greatly. And I think there's just so much to this. I mean, I've done a lot of reading, and I cannot say I'm at all understanding the full ramifications. Mm -hmm. And I think there's still just, I think we're all still trying to figure out how to respond and how to think about this in a healthy way. And I don't know if there's a, a firm answer on what is the one healthy way, but I will encourage you that whatever you need to do to figure out how to get into a state of abundance and peaceful-minded thinking, the most confidence you can have, the most leadership that you can execute in your field. That might be leadership in your home. That might be leadership in your business. Maybe you have employees that are looking up to you right now. Maybe you're leading a congregation. You're a pastor. Maybe you are leading cities. Maybe you're leading governments right now. Wherever you're leading, you might have, you, you're leading employees, if, or you're leading um, clients if you're in a position of being a business owner. Wherever your leadership and your sphere of influence is, you have a responsibility to be able to be in the best mindset and frame of mind to be able to, to work through this. And I think the one thing is that whenever we ever notice fear in any capacity, I mean, fear is the opposite of faith, right? Fear is this Thing that causes us to shrink down to become smaller to become less to take up less resources to be fearful and afraid is to cower and to run away from something and that's absolutely the opposite response that we ever want to have to anything in life I mean we want to grow and be bigger and we don't want to think of the world as this finite place that if I take up resources that it's taking away from someone else we want to not have to be in competition we want to collaborate instead which just really means that, we can't see each other as the enemy. And I think sometimes it can feel like, oh my goodness, humans are the enemy now because they're carrying this virus perhaps. And we don't want to be in that position of fear of people or thinking of people as competition for resources that we need for ourselves. And how can we then have that greatest mindset, have the confidence to stay level-headed, stay calm, make decisions, have true wisdom. And something that um, I think this podcast might uh, span multiple disciplines that we don't normally talk about, but I was um, reading in my devotion the other day and it said something that actually stuck me right in the heart. And it said, the abundant life is not health or wealth, but it's the dependence, absolute dependence on Jesus, our source. And that challenged me because I think so many times we can think, well, being abundant and having abundance means that i'm thriving in my health i'm totally healthy and i have all the money that i need and i have happiness around me and i have joy and i have all these things that are on the outside but what i realized is that as i read that and i really really deeply pondered it during my quiet time and my power hour and i realized that there is nothing external that will ever cause us to have peace and hope and confidence it has to come from internal and I cannot, ab- I cannot stress that enough. You cannot create wealth unless you have internal fortitude. You have a confidence on the inside that you know what you want. You know what you're going towards. You know what your goals are. That is more important than having money on the outside because it's a precursor. It has to start inside first. Gratitude starts on the inside. Your source of power and strength to deal with this and work through this is not going to come from having the pandemic stop. It's not going to come from making sure that you're fortified you have six months of supplies in your house and you're never going to leave and go out it's your peace of mind is not going to come from having all the money in the world it's going to come from that internal source of strength and so everything else that we can create in our external abundant life comes from that place
2: yeah i think what i think what you're saying here rachel is what i used to when i was uh, an educator i used to say this to my students about time you're not one way in one aspect of your life, in another way, in another aspect of your life.
3: Because
2: mm-hmm. I, used, I used to hear this all the time um, from students, they would say, well, I don't really like English that much, so it's not really that important to me, so I'm, I'm not really gonna try that much. But I really like math, so I'm really going to do that. And we, we believe in working in our unique ability, but I, I believe if you take a shortcut then, in, in the English, you're going to eventually take a shortcut in the mathematics part of it. Yes, also. and yes. so that's what you're saying is that you're really what you're looking at is what is your true character for everything? Yes, and, and that's what you're going to get you through this. So another one of my um, mentors, Dan Sullivan from Tr- Strategic Coach, he posted this yesterday, and it it really helped me. He says he said, "What's important to me right now, making sure to keep my confidence up e- each day." Confidence mm-hmm. is the ability to transform fear into focused and relaxed thinking, communication and action. It turns danger into opportunities, obstacles into innovations, and I believe that in that a lot. Oh yeah. Weaknesses yes. into advantages and setbacks into breakthroughs. When you have confidence as a daily resource, you can learn anything, you can respond to anything, you can adjust to anything, and you can achieve anything.
1: Oh, that's so good. We need to post that in um, the show notes, Bruce. If you I'll can send that it. to me afterwards, I'll send
2: it to you. And so, Dan, when when you follow Dan, he he just he just goes forward with everything. He reminds me of of uh, Nelson Nash, who's also one of my mentors. Nelson, you know, when we would start talking about the Federal Reserve or the government, um, he would just simply say, "Well, Bruce, the sun's going to come up tomorrow." <sighs> yeah. <laughs> It's, he would just—he would just say, "Bruce, stop thinking about all that stuff and just control what you can control." Um, and I think that's what people are. And you mentioned this: just take one step at a time. Just figure mm. out what you're doing next, and do that, and then it, it'll make all the things that feel overwhelming at the time not so overwhelming.
1: Oh, uh, Bruce, yes.
2: So, w- why don't we get into? Um, if you don't mind, Rachel, I'm going to get into just a couple of things I think businesses could do right now. Yes, uh, let's do that. To actually help them with the the major thing that every business needs, and that's cash flow. And so people are trying to figure out, and and not all these are, are things that I've thought up. I'm sharing a couple of these. But the first thing I want to talk about is in 2008, 2009, during the Great Depression. This is in Simon Sinek's book, uh, start with why. And uh, he he talks about Barry Waymiller, which is a, a company in St. Louis where I'm from, and I was very excited to see this because I knew of Barry Waymiller. During the downturn, a lot of companies were laying people off, and that's what everybody's worried about right now, um, layoffs. So what what the uh, leadership at Barry Waymiller did is said, we're not going to lay everybody, anybody off, but what we are going to ask people to do is take an additional five weeks of unpaid um, unpaid leave, and um, you can take it whenever you want, but you're, during the year. But you're, it's going to be an additional five weeks. So, what an interesting thing that happened is, the people that could afford to take the five weeks, they knew because it, because of the culture. You can imagine the culture of this of this business, this company they knew through friendship with other people that there were other people they couldn't afford to take that five weeks of leave. So what they started to do just amongst themselves, not with any suggestion from leadership, is they started to trade and they said, okay, um, I can afford to take six weeks or I can afford to take seven weeks or I can afford to take eight weeks. So I'm going to then take two weeks of yours over here. Now you only have to take three weeks.
3: Oh, that's interesting. I
2: take four weeks over here more, you can only, and you only have to take one week. Well, guess what happened? Not only did um, they survive, they, they, they actually flourished because not only did they know leadership thought they were important, but they knew that each other in the, in the company knew they were important. So that's
1: really, really cool. And it's also a way to not be scarce about a resource. I mean, Clearly, if if cash flow is a goal in your business, you need cash flow, which means you need money coming in, and you need that to be higher than your expenses. And if employees or payroll is an expense, then being able to cut payroll in a way that is not scarce and not scarcity minded and not fear driven is really powerful. And you're saying that they didn't look at it as everyone has to um, be treated equally in this scarce resource. But how do we help everybody with the same goal but share that across the share that burden or or share the load in a way that everyone benefits and i think that's just really cool
2: right and then, and the next thing and this is related you you can delay pay um or you could um actually cut pay per employee for right now but i wouldn't i wouldn't cut pay or delay pay per employee and without a recommendation of what you're going to do in the future. So um, have a social contract within your employees that say, you know, if you can if you could take a 10% or 15% or 20%, whatever you need, and you communicate with your employees that we need to do this to keep the doors open right now, but then when we get back to our regular economy, I will then make that payment back up to you later, at a later date. Um, either at, in one lump sum or by giving you some what what we would refer to as deferred compensation going forward. So that would be another example of, of um, a way to get through this. You no, know, dra- Bruce, I would, oh, go ahead. No, no, no go ahead. I, I was I going go to say one,
1: one of the main things that if you are a business right now, and I think this kind of relates and connects over to every different area, but a lot of people are whether they're sheltering in their home, whether they're social distancing, they're working from home, their kids are at home. A lot of people are at home. And this was really a powerful thing that I heard from one, one mentor at a distance. I would say Russell Brunson. I follow him tremendously and he owns ClickFunnels and he is a tremendous influencer in the community of people who are self-employed and creating online businesses. And he said, people are at home and they're bored and they want entertainment and the best way that you can provide value. So think about this, dollars follow value. And if you can create the most value or find a way to create more value for more people, you are going to profit as a result of that. Think about what businesses are thriving right now. Grocery stores, Amazon is hiring, I think some 100,000 people in, I don't even know what state it was, but it's tremendous. And so you're looking at, there are businesses that are thriving and everything, uh, Zoom is now providing options to teachers to be able to conference with their kids in in their classes and do distance learning. There's a tremendous need for online teachers across multiple disciplines. I mean, for goodness sakes, my daughter's in ballet and they canceled the ballet and they're trying to find how can they make classes for the recital practice in three months? How can they make that available online? And they need to be able to have free classes in education for ballet for anything that someone wants to learn. And if you're bolstering and boosting your mindset, you're spending time educating education in any way is one of the most powerful ways that you can improve your mindset. Now it's not just your kids that are being educated as they're going through school. You have all this extra free time in your life. Find a book, pick up a book, pick up a new discipline, find a, Find something that you want to really dive down deep into and and learn and read about that. And find a way to serve people who are looking and craving that mindset expansion right now in terms of education and what can you do to educate them? And so one of the things that I would just highly recommend is find out this is the innovation and the adaptation, what is the word you would use?
2: Adaptation, yeah.
1: Adaptation to adapt in this huge time of uncertainty. One of the things that's needed is to go more virtual. Another piece is being able to be able to provide Value to people that are at a distance. Maybe you're not meeting them face to face, but there's just tremendous opportunity for people to be able to do virtual work and still be profitable as a business. So that would be one of the number one directions. Now, clearly, if you're a doctor, you're a chiropractor, you're um, a painter, you're any type of laborer, you're any type of a contractor for housing, you cannot do that virtually. I mean, that's very obvious that that's not a profession that you can take virtual. But there's so much in terms of education and knowledge that you can provide as a business owner to your clients and customers that that takes some innovation to figure out how do you serve in that capacity. So that was just yeah. something to add to building and boosting how you can make money in your
2: business. Well, I think we're going to get and I'll get to my last two points here that I wanted to make sure I was giving value to the listeners today. But um, I think we're going to see what I would call a new normal. Um, and a new normal is going to be, um, businesses realizing that, um, working virtually or, or sending, sending, uh, um, workers home to work virtually is a good thing. They, they have less distractions. They, um, aren't stressed because they had to fight traffic for an hour, an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, they can get, they can get things done. Um at home that or even take an hour and go do something uh, an errand that they had to run and still be very very effective there's a company a major fortune 100 company in st. Louis that drives me crazy when I talk to their employees I I'm not gonna say their name but um, they have this attitude and I'm not saying they espouse this attitude but the employees think this that attendance is uh, mandatory, but work hmm. is optional. So what? It's, okay. Yeah, and that's the opposite of productivity. Correct. And, and the point is, is that they're always make sure people are, 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 um, actually clocking in, you know, making sure they're at work, but they say they can sit at their desk and basically not do anything. Um, <laughs> and then they can't leave until actually that clock hits, you know, five o'clock, then they can clock out. What a
1: demoralizing way to live.
2: Right. and so I think what this is going to become the new normal people companies are going to say look listen we thought at this time our revenue was just going to plummet but it didn't plummet it it only went down a little bit and now going forward when I'm looking for my new lease of my building I'm not going to have to house you know a large amount of people of my workforce Mm -hmm. so now I can actually." Cut it down to maybe two thirds or one half. That's so I, cutting
1: overhead. That's I'm increasing cash overhead. flow. Mm-hmm. I don't have
2: to have the uh, internet that can survive all these people on it. I can cut my internet service down. I can cut my phone service down. I can cut my paper resources down. I can cut all these things down, all these overhead, and they're going to find they can become just as profitable um, or more profitable, and, and retain employees too, which is always a which is always a strain on profitability too. People don't ever think about it, but constantly retraining
1: is,
2: is a is a strain on profitability.
3: Oh, I think tremendous! That's be the
2: new normal. So, just two more things that to my or actually three more things. One's pretty simple, and a lot of people are doing this. Um, if you have a favorite place, especially a mom and pop kind of place or a smaller business, is try to. Um, actually get an infusion of cash into them by going to them and buying gift cards that you can use into the future.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And that's not, that's, that was one of the best ideas I heard um, coming out of this. So that's a simple one. This, these are a little bit more complicated and you're probably going to get, have to get some legal advice for this. And a lot of people would say that's probably a last ditch effort, but what are the ways to get through this? I, I believe you could uh, let your employees that stay, because there's going to be people that are saying, "Well, you're laying me off, or you're cutting my hours. I'm going to have to try to find another job to make make it through this." Um, but I, but if they stay, you could actually give them profit sharing at the end of one year or six, or at the end of six months or whatever you choose. That's valuable for them. Say, "Yeah, I know we have to cut you twenty percent of your." income right now but if you stay here and help me get through this and we have a profit at the end of the year i will give you x amount of that profit and you but you really need to have somebody write that up legally i bet now this one's even more um it's even more stressful and and you shouldn't really do this unless you just think oh that's the only way i can keep this going is actually give employees or at least key employees to stay Actually, part ownership, not only um, at the end of six months or 12 months, but in perpetuity for as long as, as long as uh, you own the business or, or as collectively own the business. So you say, Hey, I know this is tough. I really want to make this work for us. I believe in you. So if you stay for six months, I will give you X amount of percent of the of the company going forward. So you'll be a 3% owner, a 5% owner, a 10% owner of the company. These are just, that's a more radical thing going forward, but there, are, you are gonna find uh, companies that this is gonna be the only way if they wanna survive that um, they're gonna be able to do that by actually getting ownership of the entire company with the employees. So I just, those are just a couple of things that um, I thought about, or I've looked back on, Things that have worked for other stressful times, like the Barry Waymiller thing, and mm-hmm. then looking forward with a couple of the um, consults. I actually have a um, a person I'm just taking over a business consulting agreement in Florida, and we're we're actually talking about the last two uh, to try to keep the doors open
1: mm-hmm.
3: with our
2: employees wanting to leave. So, but I would well, share that.
1: Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And I think that is one of the number one questions and concerns on most people's minds, especially if you're the business owner or you're an employee and trying to figure out how are we going to navigate through this time of uncertainty. And I would just encourage you to think about, there's always opportunity, right? I think sometimes we can get into a way of thinking that what we have right now is the same way things are going to be into the future, but we do have a time of massive disruption right now. And so how can we figure out what do we need to do to adapt? What is the new economy, the new culture that's going to emerge out of this? What are the needs in that environment? I know a friend of mine right now who owns a company that sells health products is tremendously, she's overwhelmed. I mean, she's made more sales during two days than she normally makes in a week. I think it was more sales in a day than she had made in a week. And she's selling products on Amazon and she's really struggling to keep up with the demand. I think she's working like 16 hour days right now and all of her employees are too, just to be able to keep up the demand. And it's tremendous. What there, there is a huge need for a lot of things. And it's just trying to figure out how do you, uh, how do you innovate? How do you change and pivot in a way that's profitable for you and benefits others? And I think the number one thing to remember is how do you provide value? I've also, um, this has been really cool. I've seen the opera going virtual where the, the, Opera House was dark, but they still had the performance anyway, and then you could be able to watch it virtually instead of going to the performance. And so, you're seeing you're going to see a lot of things use virtual and use online platforms to be able to deliver education, entertainment, knowledge. And there's so much need for that. If you're a small business owner right now, or you have a company that sells information products in any capacity or digital products, or you're an author, or you have a coaching program, any person who's in that speaking um, coaching area is there's still tremendous need for all of your services. It's just thinking about how do you pivot and how do you uh, make that more valuable? And I can absolutely say we here at The Money Advantage are not slowing down at all. We are actually getting ready to launch our course on privatized banking. As we speak right now, the course is complete. We're running that past some close friends that are familiar with privatized banking, getting their feedback and being able to make some last tweaks on that and put the the surrounding information so that you have everything that you need once you get into that course. And that's expected to go live within the next couple of weeks, hopefully even sooner than that. So we're ramping up production. We're saying, how can we be as productive as possible? How can we make sure that we're providing that value and meeting the need of people? And so, um, Bruce, I see that you texted me. Hey,
2: oh, I was just, oh, the quote. That's good.
1: That's good. Okay. Um,
2: I always try to deal with things right away.
1: I love it. I I love it. Then we don't forget.
2: Right.
1: So I want to, um, we've mentioned, so if you were following what, what is the five point checklist? So number one, take care of your mindset. I think that's the number one most important thing to do. And we've talked a lot about the pieces of that next. Take care of your health. And think about what you do to stay healthy. I will just share from myself personally, I'm kind of a a little bit out there in terms of the health practices that I use, but I'm just doing all of the same immune boosting stuff that I do on a regular basis and making sure that we're staying as healthy as possible. And if we do get sick, we're gonna treat it the same way that we normally would treat. And so what I would encourage you to do is to be as healthy as possible. Sunshine is great for you exercise so that your lungs are healthy, that is fabulous for you. Making sure that you're spending time reading and meditating and having your mindset right is absolutely amazing in every capacity. And then I'm taking colloidal silver. That boosts your immune system. I'm making sure that we are staying eating our nutritious, healthy vegetables as much as possible. We're limiting sugar in our house the same way that we do every winter when flu season comes around. And so just make sure that you're you're thinking about how can I stay as absolutely healthy as possible? How can I have my, my supplements and my vitamins that I'm regularly taking? And then what would I do if I needed to boost my immune system? Maybe it's elderberry syrup for you. Maybe it's we have oregano oil that's something that's really good for your lungs if you do have a problem with bacteria or viruses in your lungs. So essential oils can be a huge piece of that and just really saying, how can I make sure that I stay as healthy as possible? How can I make sure that I have the means to treat something if that were to arise in my family? So that's taking care of your health, which again, I'm not going to dig deep. I just wanted to share that personally what I'm doing. I'm absolutely not a doctor and that's not not medical advice. So I want to make sure I put that disclaimer. Then making sure that you're adjusting and adapting to a new environment. We've covered that really a long ways through this whole show already. We've talked about taking care of your business. That's point number four. And then we wanna talk about taking care of your money, which I think is probably the number one most challenging, difficult, scary piece of this pandemic is the financial ramifications and repercussions. And so I think a lot of people are looking at the stock market tumbling. I don't have the stats on it, but I know that I've been looking at this. I've seen it's come down tremendously. All of the all of the major indexes, S&P, the Dow Jones, some are hitting um, lows that they haven't, like the amount that it's crashed has been more than um, since 1987. I saw one statistic. Bruce, you might have more um, information on that, but I think, I mean, we know somebody who was going to retire that literally had to change their retirement strategy already In the last week, and say, I cannot retire at my timeline that I had planned because my cash, my stocks right now are not where I want them to be. And now I'm going to have to add working years. And so that's going to be something that, I mean, across the board, thinking about how the pandemic impacts your actual business, but then how is it impacting your money? And since we are always talking about your financial health and this solid ground of certainty and control in your financial life, how do you? Prepare for that even more specifically during time a time of chaos and disorder around you, and so I think we just really want to lay out some things that you can very practically do to make sure that you're increasing your cash flow, that you are having that life preserver in your financial life, and so Bruce, is there anything else you want to say before we really dig deep into um, taking care of your money?
2: No, I uh, what you were talking about as far as your friend not retiring, <clears throat> people always say, well you know, over the course of time, the stock market has done 8%. And, um, they they might be correct <clears throat> depending on which indice you're talking about, but, but it, each individual doesn't care about what the average has been over time. They only care about at the time that they want to access their money. It's called sequence of returns. So your person that you're just talking about says, well, um, i." I, you know, if I have a uh, hundred years, I'm going to average eight percent. But if that his hundred years is starting right now, uh, his timeline doesn't average eight percent. And then if he accesses that cash uh, while it's actually um, uh, still trying to rebound, not only do you have to uh, get a rate of return that's e- equal to uh, outperforming the rebound, but also taking that cash off. It's called, once again, it's called sequence of return and we won't get into that, but that, that is something to think about when you don't have control of your money, you put it somewhere else and you're, you buy, we call it in our industry, buy, hold, and hope. Mm -hmm. We buy it, we hold it and we hope it doesn't go down. Um, and that, and when you buy, hold and hope, hope, hope means you don't, you're not in control. And uh, I think more and more people are going to find that just like after they did after the 2008-9 crisis, that that being in control is most important. But unfortunately, we thought this run-up for the last 13 years was immune. This was suddenly different Mm -hmm. than anything else going forward. And it was always going to be like this. And the Austrians, like Dr. Bob Murphy, who... Uh, talks about the boom and bust cycle uh, in the economy um, you know they kept saying this is not different. it might be a little longer because we've done things. the Federal Reserve has done things to increase the longevity, but eventually it will um, bust again now once again we're not we're not looking at a fearful situation here uh, because this was it's kind of a unique situation because people say, well, see, it had nothing to do with the economy. This actually has to do with the virus, but, but all the, all the virus did was expose the economy that wasn't on, or I shouldn't say the, the monetary policy that wasn't on good of fundamentals. The economy still is in on good fundamentals. Uh, it's the monetary policy that that's not on good fundamentals. And, that's, and that is what we would say, monetary policy for what people are, try, are out there trying to think, well, what's monetary policy? It's what our Federal Reserve or any central bank across the world, how they actually treat the, the money supply. Um, and the money supply actually determines uh, the sale of goods and services. Um, and in this case, the sale of goods and services is our, our equity, stocks, bonds, and mutual funds.
1: Bruce, I appreciate you sharing that because I think, yes, there is sentiment saying, hey, it was the virus that caused the stock market tumble. And you're saying, hey, this was really coming all along. It's just something that was maybe catalytic or maybe it's the, the thing that we can associate, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's the only cause of it, that you're saying we were due for the crash anyways.
2: Right, if you wanna, if you wanna put this into another perspective and, and relate it to the virus, uh, when you're healthy, the virus uh, in a lot of people doesn't, e- it doesn't even show, <clears throat> and excuse me, doesn't even show any symptoms. People are asymptomatic. You hear that all the time on the news media. Well, and then people that actually have something wrong with them health wise, the media or the, the virus exposes that you're not healthy.
3: Mm-hmm. By either
2: making you even more sick or in, in, in extreme cases, it kills you. Well, that's exactly what happened with the virus, with the economy, and the stock, specifically with the stock market. The stock market was not healthy. It was over what they call in the industry, oversold. People were buying things not on the fundamentals of it. Uh, they, were, they were overhyping uh, particular stocks and mutual funds. And so what the virus did was it, it actually brought down an unhealthy stock market, just like the virus brings down an unhealthy um, person. If the stock market had gone up gradually in a healthy way based on fundamentals, then if we would have had this pandemic that came about, uh, there would, it would only be a slight blimp on the radar. But it's, it's exposing the unhealthiness of the stock market.
1: Bruce, I think that's just a really powerful um visual if you will and i think a really eye-opening perspective that maybe most people have not heard and i think the number one takeaway here is again i'm not going to say that i'm a, an economist i'm not going to say that i can understand all of the ramifications or what is going to happen in the future economically but we see people saying we're on the verge of a recession some people are saying we're already in a recession we have people saying, um, I mean, we see the feds lowering the interest rates. So, really, what this comes down to is what can you do personally? We just accidentally cut off our live recording. So, if you are in a position where you're saying, okay, there is massive uncertainty in the financial world, how do I protect my wealth? How do I make sure that I get a life preserver in my wealth so that I optimize and maximize every dollar that I have and make sure I'm in the position of most financial certainty that I can have so that internally, financially, I can be strong so that I can then look outside of myself and say, how do I now really be able to create wealth in the real world? So what I want to say here is that you want to think about your money as part of a cash flow system. You are making money and that's coming into your financial life. You want to have as much cash flow left over as possible, meaning you're spending less than you make. One of the really powerful things that you can do right now with interest rates just being cut, if you're in a position with equity in your home or you're in a position where your interest rate could drop if you refinance, consider refinancing your home right now. That might be an option for you. You would want to look at what is the cost of the refinance. You would want to look at how much cash flow you would save, but that is a way to increase your cash flow by decreasing your expenses right now. You can review your taxes with a CPA. You can get into a position where you say, how can I make sure that I'm paying only the minimum legal tax? And what that does is it says, how can I make sure that I'm keeping as much of the money that I make as possible? Some creative strategies to do that. I would get really serious about looking at your spending in your cash flow awareness right now, and the reason for that is that you need to be in a position with a chunk of cash that is your security and foundation. Have six months of reserves for emergencies, for unknowns, and really make sure that you're staying in a position of cash right now. And the way to do that is to make sure that you're keeping as much of what you make as possible and putting a, I mean, building a war chest, really, of cash that you can rely on that will provide that confidence and peace of mind for your mindset so that you're not having to be frantic about what is coming next. Um, I would also say another piece is to always just make sure, and this goes along with having six months' worth of reserves at minimum. If you're not in that position yet, make sure that you are increasing your cash flow by limiting your expenses so that you can save as much as possible during this time. If you don't know what's
2: coming... I lost you, Bruce. I'm not sure. I was saying uh, decreasing expenses are... Increasing your income is another way of doing it.
1: Yes, absolutely. So either way, if you're looking at income rising or expenses decreasing, that gap between is your cash flow. You want to have as much cash flow as possible right now, which is going to then be able to save and store that in a bunker, if you will, a war chest, a reserve, a liquid place that you can access and use it for reserves, for emergencies, and... For opportunities. And the reason for this is that when there is crisis all around us, the good deals are going to be absolutely on sale and fire sale. I cannot remember, I think it was Baron Rothschild that said buy when there's blood in the streets, even that, if that mm. blood is your own. And, and this is not a panicky sort of thing. This is not a scarcity minded position, but you want to be in a position of having liquid cash because that will give you tremendous peace of mind and options for what you can do moving forward. Um, I would also really encourage you to think about building life insurance reserves right now. And what I mean by that is having life insurance is a tremendous move of having a preserver in your cash flow. It's a position of strength where you have this cash flow that you can rely on, you can use it, and privatized banking is a powerful tool that allows you to make sure that you have solid ground and certainty in your financial life so that as you are thinking about where is cash going to come from or you're thinking about what assets can I buy? How can I invest with knowledge and control in what I know is going to produce cash flow? Having that pool of liquid capital in a privatized banking policy is absolutely a number one way that you can set yourself up for being in a position of strength and confidence during economic crisis. Bruce, what else would you want to add to that? uh, Making sure that anyone who's listening is in a position of really being able to have that life preserver to make sure that they're taking care of themselves so that they can do the greatest good in the world?
2: Well, I think we hit, I think we hit on most of the day. I think the um, thinking exercises, like you, you were saying earlier, you know, take some time for yourself, educate yourself, but think how you can make things better going forward would, would be part of the life preserver. Because you can, this is in times of, of uh, tragedy or stress, when you can think through it logically and calmly is where you, you actually come out on the other side much, much more efficient Yes. Um, uh, going forward. I know um, another example, I'll just give you a quick example of this, of the, uh, one of the companies that E3 uh, represents is a company down in uh, the Permian Basin in Texas called newborn oil and when uh, oil prices tanked uh, about ten years ago after they spiked uh, instead of laying off all their people, they decided they were going to keep their people on and they were going to practice uh, putting up and taking down the oil rigs so that they could become the most efficient company possible they they then challenged their engineers to build during this time period to build better oil rigs and so what they did was they figured out they don't have to take them all the way down they can just take them down partially the engineers actually added uh, mechanical mechanisms to actually let them walk across the uh, ground to the next spot
1: I remember you sharing that what an amazing innovation
2: and they were able to do that because the because uh, the industry was in a downturn so they said well let's take this opportunity to become more efficient so I think that's what, I, I think what's what you're going to find with restaurants right now because restaurants in many places, they can only do takeout. Mm-hmm. They're going to figure out a better way to order, a better way to have um, their cooks uh, prepare and then place the meal into a takeout cont- container and then a better way to, to take that takeout container from the kitchen to the actual uh, customer mm-hmm. outside of the restaurant. We're starting to see that um, right now. There is takeout at a lot of restaurants, but you're going to see out of necessity the efficiency is going to become better. Why? Because you have time to think about it.
1: Absolutely. And I think what's also really interesting about this is use the time with your family to really be able to solidify and build those strong relationships. I mean, I think I'm even seeing beautiful things come out of what we're able to do with our kids in our own house as we're working from home. We have our kids home from school. We are still using our nanny on a, that's a small basis. And we have less than 10 people congregated in one place at a time. Um, But when we're in a position of having more time with our family, more time to educate them, more time to model for our kids what it means to walk through times of uncertainty from a position of strength, more time to build relationships with them, more time to figure out what they're interested in and play games together and go on nature walks and figure out what life's all about and really be able to build some good memories. I think, honestly, this is a really good time for us to, as a country, slow down and heal from the inside and come through this absolutely, as you said, Bruce, stronger, more efficient, more mindful, more full of presence and better able to create a powerful future ahead of us. And so absolutely, this is not a end for business. It's not, a, it's not a doomsday for your money. It is really a position of thinking differently, which we always encourage, but most of us don't actually do. We don't spend the time away from our normal routines to think about how we would do things differently so that we can be in that position of strength. And so use this time to improve, to get better, to become stronger, and to come out of this healthier, more vibrant, and even more alive. So with that, we'll go ahead and wrap today. Sorry for the uh, abrupt break in the middle of this episode. And it has been um, definitely a a different kind of episode that we've done today. We hope that this has been encouraging to you as you are going through the, the coronavirus time. And we look forward to what the future holds, and we are going to do it from a position of strength. So in closing, remember success leaves clues. Model the successful few, not the crowd and build a life and business you love. Discover the secret of how to earn a return on the same money in two places at the same time so that you can strengthen your investment returns. We've created a free guide for you that explains the top three things every investor needs their privatized banking system to do. Go to themoneyadvantage.com banking, put in your name and primary email address click the send my free guide button right now and we'll see you on the inside.
0: Thank you for listening to the Money Advantage podcast. Today's show notes and resources are available for you on themoneyadvantage.com. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. If you have any questions or desire to speak with a qualified financial professional after listening to today's podcast, we encourage you to reach out to us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com